0: Welcome back, everybody, to Your Creativity. This is Dylan. Steve Steve's close by. Hi! We've <laughs> <laughs> got the mics full, so he's, he's peanut gallerying and might, might chime in from time to time. We are here with the, the Brain Trust. Is that a good word for it? That, that's the technical term. Brain Trust of Sackerson, which is kind of a unique theater company. Um, but, well, I guess I'll introduce you guys. We have Alex Ungerman, Morag Shepard, mm-hmm. and David Mortensen. Um, what what are each of your guys's roles within um, Sackerson?
1: We're three of the same people, so we're th- we're the producers for the for the company. So, I mean, generally in a in a in a theater organization, you might have some producing staff and an artistic staff, and we have the three of us to take on all those roles so that we can step in. And Take turns on each project. Is that fair? Is that a good answer? It's very fair, Dave. Fair. Okay,
0: they're fluctuating at the moment That's right Whatever the moment may be. Yeah. yeah, I first became aware of you guys when you guys were doing uh, the little prince that was over at the mm-hmm. art factory and Alex you were in that correct. I was in that and uh, Dave, Dave directed. directed it. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It was, it was oh, thank a, you incredible Um. How did Sackerson get started?
2: Sackerson started three years ago. Um, Dave and I were both on the um, producing board of Grassroots Shakespeare, and we wanted to do some non-Shakespeare projects and and try some contemporary work, and so we started Sackerson so we could experiment with some stuff.
1: Yeah, Maureen and I went to school together uh, at BYU, and... Uh, as soon as we started Sackerson, I knew that I wanted to try and recruit Morag into the playwriting side of it because part of what we wanted to do was um, create new works here in, in Salt Lake City. And so she joined very, very quickly after we started the company.
2: Morag made herself invaluable, and she we just needed her on every,
0: every project. So.
3: But I have nothing to say about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was your
0: first first production with?
3: Um, the first production we did was it was actually the beep. Beep. first one yeah oh yeah before, before the, the beat that's right it was the first one and i wrote that one it
2: was also the second one which was poppies in the sand
3: oh yes and it was also <laughs> the yeah okay and she's then probably wrote, written half of our shows yeah i've written How a many lot have of you done
0: told cuz i've only known 16. About the, 16 16 yeah. i've only known about the past 4 i'm i'm late to the game
3: it's okay Let,
0: let's start about uh, talking about the newest one hindsight
2: yeah Hindsight is an immersive walking play that takes place in locations all over downtown Salt Lake City. There's a small audience of six, and these audience members are given a set of headphones, and through the headphones they hear both a soundtrack and perfectly crisp audio of the actors. The actors are all wearing body mics, and it's a a love story that goes backwards.
0: Where did the idea come from to have a live out on the streets or is it something that's being done elsewhere that just hasn't been done here yet? Or?
2: Yeah, uh, Hindsight is, is um, the third or I guess maybe fourth immersive show that Sackerson has has done. Um, immersive theater is, is becoming really big in a lot of cities around the world and it's still sort of an emerging format but uh, we were really excited to take another stab at it. Our previous immersive shows have been The Worst Thing I've Ever Done, Sonder, Etiquette, and Hindsight's the Fourth. Mm -hmm.
1: It's interesting, these (laughs) city-based plays, like you'll go to a lot of the larger cities and there'll be what they call these podcast plays where you can check out an iPod or you pay for a ticket and say I get on the ferry in New York and I'm just going to Staten Island and it'll play a a play for me over my headphones as I'm taking that ride. And so what's kind of unique about this one in Salt Lake is that it is live broadcast like Alex said and that we're live mixing in the music to to the audience and so it's not just a, a recorded performance but we maintain just the live aspect of theater in general with it
2: yeah and this and actually as far as we know this might be one of the first plays that uses this particular format
0: oh that, that's awesome yeah um sorry brain fart
4: Dylan, can I say something? Sure, Steve. <laughs> Here, let me hand you my mic. <laughs> okay, so, well, actually, I'm just thinking it's a really cool idea that you do it live, and then you limit it to six headphones. That's right. So can the crowd interact with your play, or do they mess you up as actors at this during, because it's all live? You yeah. Can't the, control that.
2: This particular play is um, is not interactive in that way. Um Because we wanted the audience to feel sort of like a fly on the wall. Sort of people watching where you're allowed to get as close as you want and watch in whatever way you want to watch. And we didn't want to put any pressure on the audience to interact in any sort of way for this one.
3: Yeah, we've done other pieces where the audience can and are invited to interact. But this one, we wanted to go for more of a cinematic feel. And so it's more of a picture as opposed to you know um, creating the experience as you go kind of thing
1: still there's a lot of elements in the show that that are random like for example one day it might be fully raining and so our audience and our actors may have umbrellas with them or strangers that don't know what's happening might (laughs) not tap an audience member or an actor on the shoulder and ask what it is (laughs) yeah
4: do you know the time? Yeah, exactly. And then usually
3: yeah. I intervene and I say, "I have the time because." Yeah, so we I'm a usually lover.
1: have a person going along with the crowd that can kind of play interference with the uh, with the
4: spectating public. Yeah. Oh, the, the options are so <laughs> limitless. I would just start following you around, just chime in random things.
3: Oh uh, well, they can, Well, the um, if you did do that, that would be great. One, I could be a and two, like, the people wouldn't be able to hear you. Because you're not they, mic'd? Because you're not mic'd. Oh, Because I, wow. when you take... I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm just going to
4: have to get up really close to the actors and just chime in.
3: I'm, I'm sure if you, were,
2: if you were pretty dedicated, you, you could certainly find ways to disrupt the show.
3: Yeah. If you really if wanted, you wanted to. If you wanted to. If you were set on if it.
1: If you really want to. How do you do that? Though? Is it just through,
4: like, a, not a tell radio you. signal that the mics are set to? So that they had funds. Can- this, the legitimate- this
1: is the coolest thing that Alex built. I don't know. I'm a big fan of old TV. I don't know if you remember the show Get Smart, where like the guy would take off his shoe and it would be a it would be a telephone. <laughs> you use a shoe. Yeah. Well. Yep. Kind of. <laughs> That's it. Alex, it's sh- Alex it's built shoe. us a suitcase to broadcast this stuff.
2: Yeah. It. It. Yeah. It's it's sort of a, a weird Frankenstein piece of equipment, but it's basically a, a tech booth in a briefcase. And so we've got these body mics that the actors are wearing, and they're transmitting to receivers inside of the briefcase. And then those channels are going into a sound mixer as well as a channel from an iPad for the music. And then the final mixed product is being sent to a radio broadcaster that rebroadcasts the mixed product.
4: How the hell did you learn how to do that? Like, that's, like, really amazing. <laughs> so where, how did you learn that?
2: Uh, I, I have very little tech experience, and so it was a good amount of trial and error. It took, it, it took some failed attempts, for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Of the 16 plays, do you guys have personal favorites? For sure. I think
2: we all do. I love,
3: I love <laughs> all my children.
1: <laughs> I I, I have a special place in my heart for the first show we did, probably more than anyone else, <laughs> uh, which was the before the beep. which was the idea was that an audience calls into a, a phone number every day for 30 days, and the voicemail greeting changed every day. And so you got a little glimpse of a story over the course of 30 days. I liked it because half of our audience liked it, and half of our audience hated it. And I kind of look at it as like it's it was an experiment, and at some point I'd love to revisit that same show and see if we can't experiment on it further. So that that's one that I really liked.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool, Dave.
2: Um I, yeah I have a a boatload of favorites. I w- one of our first shows that we did was The Bride of Frankenstein and it was done by this really brilliant director Christopher Clark and and his concept was that we took the original audio from the 1935 film Bride of Frankenstein and like all the the sound and the talking like everything just stripped the the soundtrack out, out of the movie and then he choreographed and blocked a show using those sounds. So whenever there was spoken dialogue, the actors were lip syncing it. But then you'd hear like other sound effects too. And, and we, didn't, we didn't try and recreate everything from the film, but we'd listen to a sound and say, okay, what's making that sort of scraping sound? And then we'd have to figure out what was happening on stage to make that. And we did that in, a, in an old abandoned warehouse.
1: Yeah, we were driving around Salt Lake just looking for where can we stage a production and there was this warehouse by the, where it is now at Tesla service station, and by luck and persistence, we got in there and got to transform it and build a huge seating structure and and just convert it into a theater space. And as soon as we closed, then we packed up, swept up, and it was back to how it was before. It was just kind of a pop up theater for a month.
0: Has every production been at a different place or? A, for the most part, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Pretty, pretty much, except for um, when we did Hamlet and Shockheaded Peter yeah, and did, Little Prince at the same
2: We did kind of a mini season, and you saw the end of that. At, yeah. At the yeah. Third Factory. Yep. The
1: but Art again, that was, uh, it wasn't a theater. We turned it into a theater, and then the day after we closed, it wasn't a theater it anymore. Tore it down. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: But there's a Tesla place there. Yeah. And they can charge it up. <laughs> That's right. There you
2: go.
1: <laughs> Yeah, we're being sponsored by Tesla. That's why I had to throw <laughs> that in.
0: Brought to you by Tesla. Tesla,
1: please sponsor us.
0: We, you give had me had... a car. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one, too. And Three Irons, we've had them on our podcast before, back on episode 16. Cool. Ages, it was last year, but it feels like a long time.
2: Yeah, we love those guys.
0: How did you get connected with them?
1: Uh, they've, they've come to a lot of our stuff, and... I first worked with Joy on a reading at Salt Lake Acting Company oh, um, with Mercury, which they did a, a year ago, and they've been attending a lot of our stuff, and we've really been a fan of what they were trying to do last year, and so just based off of all of the their involvement with the local art scene last year, we thought, well, let's, let's reach out and see if they might want to help us, because hindsight being... I mean it takes place downtown we wanted to build a relationship with the downtown area so we got some introductions to the downtown alliance and three irons has been very helpful in just helping us bridge the bridge us to the the other local businesses and and such
2: they've been great
0: they're awesome we're, I think we're gonna do a follow-up episode with them soon just see what they've got planned for the future um, now uh etiquette, I thought was really interesting it's it was it's kind of like that podcast play thing sort of mm-hmm. but kind of a twist to it um so what what i didn't i didn't, I didn't attend it, so I don't know exactly what it was kind kind of share what the situation was there
1: Well, we had been talking about doing some type type of a show in a cafe. Maybe where we fed lines to an audience member and Alex mentioned a show that he had wanted to see out in <laughs> London but didn't take the chance to see and so called etiquette where you show up with either a companion or you meet up with a stranger and you're both fed lines to say to each other and actions to do and so that was on our minds for a long time and finally chased down the creators of that and said you know what if we wanna experience it maybe we have to bring it to Salt Lake City so that's where I started. if anyone else wants to say anything about that
2: I just I, I loved the experience. It was really unique you you can do you could do the show with uh, a friend or you could show up and, and experience it with a stranger. Um, but there was a, a tabletop full of props and um, a soundscape and instructions over headphones and you you'd use these props and the instructions to interact with your scene partner to experience a an entire evening of entertainment in the space of
1: 30 minutes.
0: What what kind of stuff was done within it? Well,
1: I'll give you one example. They had um, a little figurine of a man and another one of a woman, and. There's a moment in the play where you... That
4: just would not go well for me. This is Steve chiming in again. I mean, a figurine of a man and a woman, there's a, a lot of <laughs> roads that can take. Some appropriate, some are not.
1: Well, that's, that's a very good insight there. It was totally clean, but basically they took a, a scene from Ibsen's The Dollhouse. And so with a little chalk and these figurines, you and your partner kind of recreated uh, uh, an infamous scene in theater... Uh, right there on the stage in front of you mm-hmm. that was one little example.
4: I would totally tell that.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think you would have made the show better.
4: Maybe. Yeah. Maybe.
2: yeah. And that's it's the whole point, good. right? you got to make it your own because they're your figurines at that moment.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you so do not know me. This would not, that would not go well. I'm just saying it could not go well. <laughs> Steve's a
2: with it. I can tell. Pretty much. <laughs>
0: Festival. Um, you guys were part of that last year? Um, yes. Not every
2: year. Every year. Every year.
0: Since when it started. When did it start? Three years ago.
1: <laughs> <I think it's laughs> Same year four. we started.
2: 2015.
3: Oh, 2015.
1: So this will be their fourth year, yep. Their 2015,
0: 16th. Fourth year, yeah. Yep. yeah. I've never been. It's at the Gateway this year.
2: Oh, it's fantastic. It's a whole smorgasbord of theater offerings throughout the whole festival. There's just a, a huge variety of stuff. It's all independent theater makers. And uh, we love it. You see 30
1: to 40 shows in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
3: It's fun. <clears throat> and the it's my favorite guys, time of the year. Their
1: last year kind
0: of had a fun, fun name to it. Steve would like it.
1: Oh, yeah. Steve would love this one. It was written by Morag. What oh, was yeah. it called, Morag?
3: It was called, Do You Want to See Me Naked? Eh, you
1: know. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: Lies. <laughs>
0: that would be more excited than that. <laughs> what are you guys um can you say what you guys are doing there this year
2: yeah we're we're extending hindsight,
1: yeah, hindsight's been going so well we've we're extending through the summer and we're gonna close up at the French festival, so watch for that
0: mm-hmm. um you you playwright for a lot of these what what has your been, been experience been? Um, Where do you kind of draw from and get inspired from?
3: Well, um, it's a different experience because usually um, with playwriting, you write a play and then the theater will decide if they want to do the play and then maybe there's some workshop after that. But with this, working with Sackerson, it's kind of a unique opportunity because you get to... um, think of an idea, and kind of create it together, and then I plug in some stuff, and so that's happened a couple times, which has been really fun, like with Worst Thing. Um, We kind of thought of the form of it before I wrote it, and so then I was able to artistically express that way. Um, It's just, it's, yeah, it's different, because we really think a lot about, like, the the experience of the audience, and go from that angle, as opposed to what I want to, Say, yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
4: oh, no. Well, I mean, this is kind of adding. Like, so, okay, all of you guys are so different. Like, what are, where were you all from? I mean, you all kind of connected. Some of you did BYU. Did all of you guys do BYU th- theater? Th- no, two. just
1: just me and Morgan. okay,
4: Okay. But how did you guys, like, all become together? And does your backgrounds, from where you all came from, apply into this? Like, when you're writing stuff, I actually think that probably makes... Better material.
2: Morag has an interesting background. I feel like my background's kind of boring. I won't speak for Dave, but I I'm I grew up in Provo, and I boring. went to UVU, and uh, that's it. I, I went to UVU just to oh, out. Nice. Head. I mean, it's the best. Go Wolverines. There. What? Really? That's yeah. awesome. What years?
4: We don't talk
3: about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a few years ago. A couple
2: years ago? Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a couple. Three, four?
3: Or more. (laughs) I um, was born in Scotland, and then I lived in England for a bit. And then some of my family moved to the East Coast, to Philadelphia, and I lived there. And then from there, I went to BYU, went on a mission to San Diego, met Dave. Before or after, I can't remember. And then then we did a play together at BYU 1 or 2 or something, I can't remember. I taught Dave at BYU. Yeah,
1: she'll claim all, all of my success for her. Yes, yeah, so
3: I will. And then I met Alex through Dave, which was lucky. Because now we're all really good friends. We're all really lucky. Yeah, we're lucky.
2: This is like a warm fuzzy feeling. Yeah. It totally is. It totally Roll is. it!
4: So Dave's being quiet over there.
1: Whenever warm fuzzies are brought up, I just clam up. It's just who I am.
4: Because she's going to take credit for that, too?
1: No, no, no. Just for I, all of your happiness. I'm just an emotionally guarded individual, that's all.
3: <laughs> I'll take credit. Sure. Okay.
4: <laughs> you guys are killing me. So where do you go from here? So the fringe is coming up. Yep. Yep. Then what?
1: We're working on about six projects at a time, and so it's just about <laughs> whatever one gets to the ready phase first is the when we announce that publicly, so...
3: Yeah, it's not our full-time jobs doing this, so we kind of just Yet. squeeze it in whenever we can.
1: We just became a five hundred one c nonprofit, so we're starting the whole boring work of grant writing and stuff like that. But that'll hopefully make it easier for us to continue to produce more stuff. Yeah, yeah.
3: not more, just like half a better budget. There you or something. go to pay no our
1: artists even more for the contributions they do. So
4: <laughs> pay them more than free. Like that's usually when I like pay people, it's free. No, it's
3: not. We, we do them a We don't do free. But it's
1: yeah, it's only do marginally free, better. But than it's free.
2: yeah, We pay ourselves free, and we should pay ourselves a little bit
1: more. We pay our artists more than we pay ourselves. We pay our we pay ourselves. Those grants
3: come in. So gonna, we're gonna
1: have administration money. money.
3: Yeah. We're gonna get that's a it. Tesla. <laughs> <laughs>
4: At least a charge. We're gonna <laughs> get a charge.
3: <laughs>
0: Is there a particular type of project that is like in the horizon that you'd like to tackle? You know, technologically or just Yeah. Have a passion for it. Yeah.
2: Um there's several I mean, the ones that I'm most excited about are I'm really excited about this idea that Dave keeps happening. He wants to stage a show on a five by five platform.
4: And yet, like Dave is so quiet over there. Like Dave is just like kinda quiet and he's like Hey, yeah, we'll come up with another idea. Maybe I just, I just we'll got see. my NPR we'll personality. That's and what I'm like, doing. Let's we'll see what happens. He's all facts. He's holding out.
1: No, I really, I want to take something like a show that's really epic or grand scale and do it on the tiniest of stages. So just like a five by five foot stage, and see if within that 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 limit that those boundaries, if we can still inspire our audience to see something just as grand and epic as if it was in you know a Provident Hall or the Capitol Theater or the Eccles something like that cuz i think one of the things that i think that we do well is inspiring our audiences to um fill in the holes they 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 come and they have to have an active imagination in order to to fill in the, th- the things that we don't do on the stage so if i point at a chair and i say that that's uh that's a bucket of water my audience believes it's a bucket of water and they're going to go with me on this crazy adventure that I don't know. So that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to is exploring the grandiose on the smallest stage that we can.
0: My suggestion, 12 angry men.
2: Oh, there you go. (laughs) Played by one man, the (laughs) one man
1: show of 12 angry men.
0: 12 angry men on a pallet.
1: There you go.
2: We're also developing another immersive piece, but it's just in the very early stages, and and we don't even know if it's going to go through, but maybe January or February, Yeah. maybe. Use your imagination. Stay (laughs) tuned. Imagine that it happens.
1: I'll say that we had so so much fun and success with The Little Prince last year. We loved the audiences that came out to The Little Prince, and so doing another Christmas show is really attractive to us, or a winter show, I should say. Um, kind of a what's the word something else that, something other than the Christmas Carol so doing another winter show is something that's really attractive to us we'll see if that cements up
0: let us know how we can help
1: yeah yeah, yeah. am I more animated now am I getting there you're doing a little great
4: bit? I mean you're doing you're pretty animated I mean you kind of <laughs> you like kind of like copped a smile a little bit like you're just like I mean We'd like to do more than another winter show. Do you like snow? I mean is that what like, <laughs> that's what gets you flowing? No,
2: that's
3: fair. That's fair. <laughs> I do.
2: He likes ticket sales and we sold a
4: lot for of little Prince. Well, there's like, nothing else to do yeah. in Utah. It's
2: really cold
4: out.
0: Hey, I don't
2: Come know. Come inside let's go
1: watch a show.
0: Yeah. Um, have you guys seen Broadway shows? And if so, what's your favorite
3: well no, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh Dave is our resident musical lover,
1: yeah, I'm the only one that claims to like musicals it's true, but I haven't seen a lot of the more recent stuff on Broadway. The last thing I saw on Broadway was um a View from the Bridge, which is a straight play, and it's just it was awesome, but the last exciting show that I really loved was um over at Looking Glass Theater in Chicago, they did an adaptation of Moby Dick, and it was just, again, really epic. They had the stage that was like big, huge whale bones on all, on all sides of the stage, and the actors would go and climb up those, and they'd do different acrobatics, and I'm trying to be really animated right now, which we did to hold back, no, no, but I really going. love going to these other theaters and seeing what's playing, um, and usually it's the stuff that hasn't quite made it to Broadway that I'm interested in.
0: I go to Pioneer Theater quite often. Um, mm-hmm. The the last one I saw there that I really liked was the Steve Martin uh, musical. Brightstar. Yeah. The stage the stage spun around and it, what was it? Bright star. Bright star.
1: Wow. Saw it twice. It was it was awesome.
0: My wife bought the soundtrack, so I hear her listen to me sometimes. <laughs> it. Sometimes it's just cool. It, it, it was incredible. So, yeah, do you see plays?
2: Yeah, I love plays, but, but I they, I will say I think. The best, all the best theater that's happening in the world is coming out of London, and it's sort of expensive to go there, and I haven't been in a while. And as far as New York stuff goes, there's some really cool stuff happening off-Broadway. And as far as immersive stuff goes, anybody who goes to New York should go see a play called Then She Fell, and you should also go see one called Sleep No More. Then She Fell is um, about the author of Alice in Wonderland and it also includes characters from Alice in Wonderland, and it's sort of about how his real life intersects with the characters that he created, and like the fictional Alice, and there was actually a real Alice who he was friends with, and the nature of their friendship is sort of a mystery, and sort of what drives part of that show. And then this other show, um, Sleep No More, is um, this huge immersive show, it takes place over a Six floors of this gigantic warehouse in Brooklyn, and every floor is turned into s- sort of a different world, and it's sort of a mashup between Macbeth and Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca, and it's incredible, and, and there's also a little company that Dave and I both love called The Neo-Futurists, Oh yeah. and they're a little off-Broadway company that you should go see if you're in New York.
1: They're in New York, Chicago, and San Francisco,
2: That's too. That's true, yeah.
4: Okay, you're listing off all these big cities. Who, who cares?
3: Okay, I mean, really, okay. So in Salt Wait, Lake, but you didn't get to me. Oh, I was Salt gonna, Lake? I was gonna say, I see all the theater in Salt Lake. Yeah. She oh, does. She sees see everything here. Spin it out. Let's hear. Like my favorite things from this year or all time. Uh,
4: well, yes. okay. So here Recently. was my question. My question was, can Salt Lake hold its own, and how supportive is the community for theater here?
3: I think it's getting better. And I think that it does hold its own, and I and my hope for Salt Lake is that um, in the not too distant future that it'll be more of a big deal, because I think that we have the talent, and if um, if we just like support, if the arts community supports the theater community, I think that that would definitely help. But mm.
2: For a city of its size, Salt Lake has outstanding theater. Yeah, it really does.
1: Sure. Well, in the U.S., we are. I mean, people see more performing arts in Salt Lake City per capita than anywhere else in the country. And what
4: do you attribute that to?
1: Me? You know, I think it's, just the, it's the local culture. Oh,
4: great. Here oh. we go again. The class I taught at yeah. BYU where I, like, instilled, like, talent. You got talent. it.
3: You passed.
2: A plus, plus, A plus.
3: Yeah,
4: Sorry, I'm, babe, I'm I don't, they,
1: they say it's because of just the historical... Just the, you know, the pioneer culture from the very beginning, you know, gather around a campfire and tell some stories and go from there.
2: Or even Shakespeare, like one of the, like within a couple years of landing in the Salt Lake Valley, the pioneers were doing Shakespeare.
1: Yeah. The, the arts have always been really important. Um, But that's a double-edged sword because, because there is so much art, oftentimes people think, well, it ought to be free. And the people doing that, they're just doing it for fun. Um, and so I think for us to become you know potentially a national theater destination we have to keep re- investing in our local artists and keeping them here and increasing pay and the, and just seeing how we can't bridge what we create here to send it off to other cities too
4: Does building the new theaters like um, Eccles Theater and mm. having capital and having like it's a really the great question. Pioneer Theater and having all these does that help or hinder or even help Hell, family theater like down in Sandy having all of those huge theaters does, do you think that helps us or does that like kind of hinder and
2: it, it's add all, to it? Yeah it's all part of an ecosystem so I think any sort of entry point for people to see theater is a good thing and I think once they see one thing they want to see more and they want to see different types if they like it if they have a good experience um, but some of those things you, you listed off we like definitely have mixed feelings about. I love Pioneer I love Slack, I love Plan B. I, th- I think the Hale does some fantastic stuff. I, I-, I personally am not a huge fan of um, the money that was spent building the Giant Eccles Theater. Because I think that money could have been spent on local artists, but it's millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that is going to out of state artists.
3: Ta da!
1: Dun, 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 dun. But at the same time, you know Socks. it's bringing in acts that people wouldn't see here yeah. um as well as you know a ticket to go to the Eccles is a is a lot pricier than seeing a show at a local theater, so maybe it'll help to raise ticket prices but i I don't know i convinced. I would have preferred to have seen just more money go towards the local companies, but
4: and I kind of like I kind of like like all of your approaches, and I kind of agree that all theater is good and And okay, even even the shitty big theaters I mean what they do they do trickle down because it does build excitement yeah. and it makes other people want to go out and see it. It also takes a a shitty old building that was going to be ran down and and knocked yep, down that's true and to create something beautiful for the downtown the building which also itself goes is back incredible
2: yeah yeah, it's gorgeous
4: but it, i so I kind of think a mixture of all of what you guys said, like I kind of like having mm-hmm. all of them and i th- I think that Salt Lake does have room for all of that. Like I think that it's kind of, yeah, we're pretty, we're yeah, kind of hip. Uh, so I agree.
1: Hip. Like Alex said, it's an ecosystem, and so we're we're just one small little part. And having the big players around is awesome. And if we can just all work together and market together, and I don't think that there's really competition in the theater community. People might say, oh, gosh, they're taking away our audiences. I don't think so. If one no. person goes to see a good show, they want to go see another good show. And so I think all all good art raises, what do they say, high tides high raise tides. all boats or something like that? Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so a couple of you were involved with the Grassroots Shakespeare Festival. We had uh, Davy and Bianca. Mm. They were on our fifth episode. I love them. And they are part of that. Um how, is, is Grassroots still going strong now? And
2: grassroots is still growing strong. Um, this is the 10th the season of Grassroots Shakespeare. Right now they're touring two shows to parks and festivals all around the state for free. And they're incredible. They've got a, a traveling renaissance stage that sits on top of wine barrels. And it is a magical evening in the park. You have to go see it. It's so good. Um... Uh, Davy and I went to high school together, so we go way back. And Davy was Davy was in the first grassroots show that we did.
0: They they were our first power couple episode. Do you remember back that far, Steve? Do you remember them? I don't even remember yesterday, <laughs> Dylan. I mean, I, I think
4: I ate food yesterday, but He's trying to I, remember how I, I got totally here. do remember them. We have so many power couples. That, that's true.
0: Lots of talented people, and sometimes they're married to each other. (laughs) Um, Is there anything that we didn't cover about Mm. Sacrosun that you guys wanted to share?
1: i just go back to our mission. Our mission is new works in unconventional spaces for bold audiences. Um, And I think there's awesome theaters in our our community that have some awesome missions. Um, Other ones that you should check out, definitely, I'd say... Uh, The Utah Children's Theater is definitely one I would check out. They're on State Street. Um, Utah has just four equity houses, which are the they pay their actors professional wages, is what it means. So that's Pioneer Theater Company, Salt Lake Acting Company, Plan B, and then if you head down south, you've got the Utah Shakespeare Festival and Tubacon. I guess you could say five there. Um, So I definitely would support those theaters as well.
3: What was the question? I don't know. Anything else they should know? <laughs> okay, so how
4: can people how can people support you? Us. Come see a show.
3: Buy tickets to our show. Yeah.
4: And so how do Where can they find them? How can they buy tickets?
2: On the great worldwide web, Sackerson.org.
0: Yep. Yes. S a c
1: k e r s o n dot org.
0: And hindsight S L C
1: Yep.
0: Bonus question time. Woo. You each have to answer. Deal. Favorite Muppet and why?
2: Uh, definitely Gonzo. Nice, because he's a weirdo, and I have a great affinity for weirdos, and I consider myself a weirdo. Uh, weirdos Wait, unite.
4: He, he looks at me, so I get looked at. Maybe <laughs> like says, I really like weirdos. He didn't look at you, Dylan. It was at me directly. He looked at me. I first think
2: second. I feel like you've proven yourself a weirdo over the course of this interview.
0: Yeah, that's. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you, favorite Muppet?
3: I am not super familiar what? with them. Just yeah, say Kermit. I yeah, I mean, the Cookie Monster?
0: Yeah, it's Sesame Street cover. I didn't Muppet?
3: grow up with watching that. Um, Yeah, the Cookie Monster.
0: That's, That's great. That's I'll weird. go
1: with Fozzie Bear, just because most of my jugs don't land, and I like walking around in Justin Ascot.
0: Walka, walka. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one. The other bonus question: In the life of your movie, in the movie of your life, got that backwards. Who would play you?
3: Aww.
1: Christopher Walken. He would play me.
2: Uh, definitely Mark Ruffalo.
0: Really?
2: I feel like
1: he's, I feel like he's the only person
2: who could capture my charisma and charm. Aww. And I would love to
0: see him with your mustache, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: Um. K- What's that one? It's not Kate Blanchett. It's another Kate. There's so many Kates. Kate
0: Beckinsale.
3: Yeah, that one. Yeah, Kate Beckinsale. I like her.
0: From Underworld.
3: Yeah, yeah, her. Perfect. Okay, that's all.
1: Oh, I said Christopher Walken. Walken. Just because I'd love to see (laughs) him play me. (laughs) I don't think it relates at all, but I'd love to see it happen.
0: Well, that's all I got. So, sacristan.org hindsightslc.com and thank you everybody and have a great night. You too. Thank Thank you. you.
3: Thanks for having us. The podcast is done, man. (gasps)